All right, it's the weekend. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. I want to warn you about war. War is not coming, it's here. And before we get into the scriptures, I wanted to give you a bit of the background of the history of the United States at war for the last 80 years. World War II, Korea War in the 1950s, Vietnam, all the 1960s, virtually up to the early 1970s. The Balkans Wars in the 90s, it's interesting, the, the least warlike period was when the most warlike president was President Ronald Reagan. We had a little intervention in Grenada and, and a couple other things, but uh, fairly minor. Balkans in the 90s, first Gulf War, 1990-1991, invasion of, which is an invasion of Kuwait. We had a no-fly zone of Iraq uh, all of the 90s, up until 2003. Afghanistan, 2001, up until, what, last year? Yemen, 2002 to the present. Iraq, 2003, up through, I don't know, still there, still got folks there. Syria, 2014 to the present. We've been at war vastly more than we have not been at war in my lifetime since World War II. Maybe the 1950s were fairly calm, but we still had the Korean War then. Then all of a sudden we stopped in, in, in Afghanistan and we said, hey, we're going to stop having this war in Afghanistan. Why? Well, I don't. the only thing I can conclude is that we had bigger things to turn to. Uh, they announced a pivot to Asia. And then it appeared that this little thing in uh, Ukraine was kicking off, and somebody just said, hey, we can't have wars everywhere. We're not going to make it. We're not going to win these wars. So we pulled the plug on Afghanistan, and there's a war right now in, in uh, Ukraine. There's a war in Europe. Now, it doesn't... I keep saying it doesn't matter who started it. Everything matters. But at the end of the day, what I want to emphasize is there is a war in Europe. Regardless of whose fault it is, there is a war in Europe, and it is expanding. It's expanding. Seymour Hersh, famous journalist, he's the one that talked about the My Lai massacres in Vietnam from a long, long time ago. A lot of people don't even remember that stuff. Certainly has burnished his liberal, liberal credentials over his lifetime. And he outlines chapter and verse, line by line, on how the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was blown up by the United States Navy and the CIA. Very, you've got to read the article. This is going to be a historical article. It'll be something that people read for years and years and years. Uh, just Google it up, Nord Stream 2, Seymour Hersh. It, it's easy to read. It's got a good writing style. Cost $12 billion to build this pipeline. Now, if, you, if somebody destroyed something of yours that was worth $12 billion, $12 billion, how would you react to it? It's curious to see the reactions and the lack of reactions. Apparently, Germany had about a 50% ownership in this pipeline. The greatest benefactor of this pipeline were the Russians and the Germans. The Russians and the Germans. Germans aren't saying anything about it. The United States blows up this pipeline. They don't say anything about it. The United States blows up the pipeline. Russians? I don't know. What's going to come? What are the Russians going to do about that? Bide their time until the time is ripe. Russia's preparing another massive invasion of Ukraine, according to the news reports. That, I mean, that's what they say. Half a million troops, 300,000 troops. 
thousands of tanks. Zelensky's out there begging, uh, trying to find any way possible that he can get NATO involved in it. <laughs> Asking for tanks and F-16s. There's war in Europe. There is war in Europe, and it, is, it doesn't seem to be shrinking. It seems to be growing. The little balloon flying across uh, North America is is interesting, but it's a it's a minor factor, maybe a sign of things to come. I don't doubt that. But compared to blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline and the incipient follow-on invasion of the Ukraine, there's a lot going on. All right. So war. War is a normal part of history. What's abnormal is for nations to be exempt from the direct effects of war. And even though I've outlined to you the enormous amount of, of war the United States has been engaged in since World War II, very, very little of this has hit in the United States of America. You can say, oh, 9-11, that was war. That was a global war on terror, and, and that's what kicked it off. Okay, fine. 3,000 people died that day in the Twin Towers. I don't know how many more died in the Pentagon. Flight 93. Probably more people die every month from the COVID jab than died on that uh, a particular day on, on September 11, 2001. Don't have the numbers for me, but certainly in a year, more people are dying from the COVID jab. More people die from fentanyl every year, every month, than everything that happened on September 11, 2001. So it's a pinprick compared to the shootings we have, the fentanyl deaths we have, the car wrecks we have, the deaths from jabs we have. I'm not downplaying it. I'm just saying we haven't seen war in the United States really since the Civil War. Not 200 years ago, but over 150 years ago. War in the South in the Civil War was the kind of war we saw in, in Europe in the Second World War. Fields of France in the First World War. It was brutal total war with no allowance for the civilian population whatsoever. In the Civil War, in the United States of America, Sherman's march to the sea. No allowance for the civilian. It was total warfare. Destroy everything. Destroy everything in its path. His march to the sea. Rip up the railroad tracks. Burn everything down. Leave behind you starvation. Utter economic devastation to the civilian population. Humble them. Humiliate them. Destroy them. That's what the Yankees did to the Southerners in the American Civil War in the 1860s. Brother on brother, you can say. The United States has not seen that kind of war since then in the United States proper. I think that is about to change. That's my opinion. I've given you some historical analysis on that. I've, I've explained to you the history of, of Russia with the West over the last 200 years. I've got that out there at bloodandfaith.com. It's a way of understanding history, uh, perhaps from both sides. You know, if somebody were to be a diplomat, just speaking hypothetically, <laughs> I would think that one of the main things a diplomat does is try to understand the situation from one one's adversary's point of view. Not that one has to agree with it. One does not have to agree with it at all. 
But I would think that a shrewd diplomat, a wise and intelligent diplomat, would look at a situation between his own country and another country and say, okay, here are the issues. Here's the position of my government. Help me un- I want to understand it from their point of view. Seems to me that's a wise and prudent thing to do. And so that's what I did in this, this, this piece on Russia. I think it's 200 years of Russia's history with the West. You can go to bloodandfaith.com, Google up Russia uh, in the archives, and uh, you'll see it. I think it's as accurate as I can be on that. I think you can expect war with Russia. I think we're at war with Russia. I think the United States has made it clear that their number one strategic goal is a, a strategic defeat of Russia. When you're supplying weapons and blowing up Russian and German pipelines, there's not much left to say. There's not left, much left to say out there about being at war with Russia. Uh, I, I neither agree with it nor do I disagree with it. I'm simply observing the known facts. I'm simply observing the known and stated positions of the United States government and, uh, and other governments and Seymour Hersh. And then my message really is to, is to Americans and, and to the church in particular. And it's to say, don't think that we're going to get out of this. We're not going to get out of this. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you we're not going to get out of this unscathed. I'm going to share with you some things out of the book of Jeremiah. And when I talk about the Lord in Jeremiah, I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the big fallacies that the church has bought into, and in fact has has propagated. The church has propagated this fallacy that somehow the God of the prophets was not Jesus Christ. Somehow the God of Moses was not Jesus Christ. Somehow the God of the great flood and the Garden of Eden was not Jesus Christ. That's not true. And we'll touch on this a little bit of the article, but it says the Lord in the prophets, in the books of Moses, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David worshipped Jesus Christ. That the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the chief priests rejected Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, that's on them. That's on them. Jesus Christ was very clear. He told them. He told those people who at that time called themselves Jews, Talmud followers. He said, you've proven yourselves to be the sons of those who murdered the prophets. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of this here in Jeremiah. But my big, the big emphasis I have that I want you to understand is, is war. War comes from God. And uh, because the church has truncated any understanding of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, the church is lost and the world is lost. There's this theory out there that, oh, yeah, that's your religious ideas. That's your religious ideas. And it's like, nah, no, no, not really. Not really my religious ideas. This is, in fact, how the world works. It includes war, includes politics, morality, philosophy, law. That you reject this point of view, I understand that. I got that. You've made that very clear. But in the minds of the church, that's where we got to go. We got to go to the minds of the Christians and say, "Look, get over this idea that that uh, uh, of, of reductionism. That somehow you reduce the Holy Scriptures to a morality play, which it is not. 
Is there morality involved? Yes, but it is not just a morality play. The sad thing about this, I mentioned this yesterday in, in a podcast, that this, this woke Jesus advertising campaign kind of reduces the Holy Scriptures and Jesus Christ to a, 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 a comforting morality play. Jesus loves you. He forgives you. Um, he understands you. I think their tagline is, he gets us. And I'm like, and you know, you can break all that out and you can, you can, you can parse that and you can say, okay, this specific thing they said is correct. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But I would remind you that that's what Satan did to Jesus Christ in the great temptation. He went up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, this specific thing is exactly true. I'm quoting to you the Holy Scriptures, Jesus. Okay, this is exactly what Satan did to Jesus Christ. Jesus, I'm quoting in the Holy Scriptures. Holy Scripture says his angels will not allow you to stumble. Absolutely true. And yet Jesus Christ rebukes Satan. And he says, you, you slimeball you. You twist the good word of God to, to pursue your own agenda. And with this woke Jesus uh, ad campaign, it's like, okay, fine. It is true that Jesus Christ loves you. That is a true statement. But people can walk away from that and say, okay, great, Jesus loves me, so what? Jesus forgives me, so what? Jesus dies, died for me, so what? <laughs> and on and on and on. And that's how the world has responded. In, in all this uh, remarketing of Jesus Christ to make him, quote-unquote, relevant or acceptable to the world, the, the, the question at the end of the day is, so what? Where's the fruit? What's the fruit of what you've done? And the answer is, it's, it's apostasy. All right, I think we're about to get a big wake-up call on what reality is. So let me go into this. Let me go right into Jeremiah chapter 25. And this is Jeremiah. So Jeremiah's a prophet. He's warning God's chosen people. Okay? He's warning the southern nation of Judah. He's saying, look, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, because you've not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, I will bring him against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make him a horror, a hissing, and everlasting duration. Okay, the Lord Jesus Christ is summoning war against the people of Judah and the surrounding nations. The Lord Jesus Christ is doing this. These aren't uh, a random acts of uh, international geopolitics. The Lord Jesus Christ is summoning war against Judah because they disobeyed the Ten Commandments. And repeatedly in the Holy Scriptures, you read the prophets, the reason God sends judgment is because the nation turned away from the Ten Commandments. How much more the United States in 2023? I'm flat out telling you, I'm flat out telling you, judgment is non-optional, and it's unavoidable. And when a country like ours has turned so far away from Jesus Christ, when our ancestors worshipped Jesus Christ and founded the North American colonies as Christian colonies to serve Jesus Christ, and now we're butchering our children, in the name of transgenderism, this is, this is blatant Satan worship. Then there were some Grammys or some festival the other day, and it's, it's open Satanism. And now it's open. It's not even. It, I mean, it used to be Satanism, but at least they tried to hide it, right? Remember Fred Astaire, and you remember some of those nineteen, you know, fifties guys 
you know, the cool guys, they, they look good, they, nice suits, look very clean. They didn't serve Jesus Christ. They did not. And, and, and the cultural uh, uh, ball starts rolling downhill a long, long time ago. We can go back further. We can go back into the 30s. We can go back into the 20s. Go back into the 1800s. But now we've got to the point where it's open Satanism. And in fact, one of the, 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 the new right, R-I-T-E, right, of the Church of Satan is abortion. Which is the logical conclusion of, of abortion. It's like, yeah, this is a, a satanic ritual. It was 3,000 years ago. And the worship of Moloch took the babies and you sacrificed them live to Satan. So the United States has a shrine as, as a right in the United States of America. Satan worship is a right. Our quote-unquote entertainment industry is about Satanism, about transgressing all boundaries and borders, which God set up. We've talked about borders and boundaries. So the prophet says to the land of Judah, I said, look, you're going to get destroyed because you've transgressed God's law. And, and, and that, that law is the Ten Commandments. And the first commandments points, points to Jesus Christ. It says, I'm going to make you destruction, a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. And so the Lord says to the prophet, take this hand, take from my hand the cup of wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending amongst them. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending amongst you. Talk about crazed. That guy in the White House? Is there a man more crazed than the guy in the White House? Uh, I have no words for that either. i got no words for a bunch of things these days, don't I? You talk a man that's crazed? So Jeremiah takes the cup from the Lord's hands, and he made all the nations to whom the Lord sent him to drink of it. God's judgment is... is, He's the monarch of the nations. Jesus Christ is the God emperor of the earth. And when he decides that judgment is nigh and judgment is coming... He's going to bring the judgment. Who is this? It's not the God of the Old Testament. It's Jesus Christ. Another Talmudic idea that the church has adopted is somehow there's a difference between the God of Jeremiah and the God of St. John. And there is no difference. That is a Christian heresy. It is a Christian bad idea. It's a false idea. It's a lie. It's a slander. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. To say that God changed is blasphemy. To say that it's a different God is blasphemy. Go back up and, and, and read your revelation about the beast and the false prophet. They, they, they preach what? They preach blasphemy, slander, things that are just not true. And the idea that Jesus Christ wasn't around in the time of Jeremiah is, is absolute blasphemy. It's completely blasphemy. They're arrogant words and blasphemies. All right. And he says, listen, you're going to go tell these, these people. He's going to make them a waste, a hissing, and a curse. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants and his, and his officials, all the people, and all the mixed tribes among them, all the mixed tribes and races amongst them as well, including the kings of the coastlands across the sea. Verse 26, All the kings of the north, far and near, one after another, all the kingdoms of the world that are on the face of the earth, shall drink of this cup of judgment. 
This is what Jesus Christ tells the prophet to go say. And I don't know where the church is on this. I don't know. I don't understand why the church is silent. If they had ears to hear, they'd say, "Look, judgment is, <laughs> judgment's here. We're under judgment now. Our, our country is being invaded. There's an evil race. There's an evil race of men that, that's against all men everywhere, and they are utterly against Jesus Christ and the children of Christendom. Yet the church somehow bows down and, and worships before them." And it goes on. God says to Jesus Christ, says to Jeremiah, He shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, vomit, fall and rise no more, because the sword I am sending amongst you. Jesus Christ is sending a sword amongst us. He's sending a sword amongst us. Quote, For I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. Jesus Christ says, I am summoning, summoning a sword against all the heavens of the earth. There's nothing you can do to avoid this. Absolutely nothing you can do to avoid this. It's here. It's growing. And he says again to Jeremiah, you shall prophesy. Tell them this. The Lord will roar from on high. From his holy habitation utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold and shout like those who tread grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. The clamor will resound to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh, and the wicked he will put to the sword, declares the Lord. Who is saying this? The Lord Jesus Christ is saying this. He said this to Jeremiah Oh, 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago? It's going on today. It's going on today. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster is going forth from nation to nation, and a great tempest is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. Now, some evangelicals will say, Well, that, you know, that's fine. That's, that's you know, the great tribulation and we're going to get raptured out of it. I disagree, and I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready? Those pierced by the Lord on that day shall extend from one end of the earth to the other. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall be dung upon the surface of the ground. This is what Jesus Christ is declaring. Here you go. This is for you, evangelical pastors. This is for you. Wail, you shepherds, and cry out. It roll in ashes, you lords of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and dispersion have come. You shall fall like a choice vessel. No refuge will remain for the shepherds, nor escape for the lords of the flock. Y'all shepherds, you're not escaping from this stuff, and neither are your people. And, you want, and when you wander around deceiving your people, tell them not to worry because you're going to get raptured out of this. You're not preparing the flock. Wail, you shepherds, and cry out, and roll in the ashes, you lords of the flock, for the days of your slaughter, your slaughter and dispersion have come, and you shall fall like a choice vessel. No refuge will remain for the shepherds, nor escape for the lords of the flock. For the Lord is laying waste their pasture, and the peaceful folds are devastated because of the fierce anger of the Lord. There's going to be a lot of slaughter, a lot of slaughter. Now, 
in the midst of this slaughter, here's what I wrote. When all this stuff falls down, and all the world's at war with each other, and there's a slaughter going on in here in the United States and everywhere else, and there's a power vacuum, somebody will rush in to fill the power vacuum. Satan's children, Satan's forces will attempt to do that. But this is where we need the people of God, the people of Jesus Christ, to fill the power vacuum, that are explicitly loyal to Jesus Christ as their monarch. Not as some little religious thing between their ears, but they're explicitly loyal to Jesus Christ as monarch and will build a Christian nation and a Christian society. Let the people of God fulfill, fill the vacuum. And let the false prophets be treated as Elijah treated the prophets of Baal, as Samuel treated Agag, as David treated Goliath, as the Levites treated their own neighbors and kindred who rebelled against Jesus Christ. It's too late to worry about niceties. The Almighty is going to take care of that. Y'all are worried about the niceties. Well, we can't do this and we can't do that. And the Lord says, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a hissing and bring a destruction and a sword in your midst. Now, was this word from Jeremiah very popular? No, it wasn't. And he goes, he stands in, in, in the Lord's house, and he speaks in the cities of Judah. And he'll say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to mock and walk in my law that I have set before you, what's that law? It's the Ten Commandments, America, pastors. Not as your personal moral code, but as the foundation for social order. More important than the Constitution, than the Bill of Rights. If you don't listen to me to walk in the law that I've set before you, and you listen to the words, and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make the house like Shiloh, and I will make the city a curse for all the nations of the earth. That, of course, is exactly what happened in Jerusalem. The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking, all that the Lord had commanded to speak, then the priests and the prophets and all the people say to him, You shall die. All right? Word was not popular. How can you be preaching against us? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the, when the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house. And the priests and the prophets said to the officials, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against the city, as you have heard with your own ears. Not a popular message. The, 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 the priests and the people all said, This guy's got to die. He's against us. Jeremiah says, Hey, I'm in your hands. Do with me. It, it seems right to you. And he keeps on preaching. He keeps on saying what he needs to say. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, which is Jesus Christ, and we'll prove that to you right here. This is what you shall say to your masters. It is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth with men and animals that are on the earth. Okay, listen. This is what the Lord of hosts says, the God of Israel. It is I who 
who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth with men and animals that are on the earth. So who did that? Who created the earth? Who created the earth and all the men and the animals on the face of the earth? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. Let's find out. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Creator. Jesus Christ is the Creator, and He's the Judge. Want another witness? Here's Hebrews chapter 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, and in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed as heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. By his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he appointed as heir of, of all things, through whom also he made the world. Jesus Christ made the world, and all the beasts and the men in it. Verse 3, And he, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. That's Jesus Christ. Now, church would be church is happy to have Jesus Christ. Oh, he's this dude that lived a long time ago, and he's nice, and he loved people, and he died for his sins. And he's the creator. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. And it's the same God that told Jeremiah what to say. And here it is in his own words: "It is I who, by my great power, my outstretched arm, have made the earth and the men and the animals upon the earth." That's Jeremiah twenty-seven verse five. This is Jesus Christ speaking. How do we know that? Well, who made the heavens and the earth and the men that are in it? It's Jesus Christ. So if the scripture says it is I who by my great power, my outstretched arm, have made the earth with the men and the animals in it, that, that's Jesus Christ. That's who it is. It's Jesus Christ. Jeremiah has a lot of opposition. They tend to say the exact opposite of what the prophet's saying. 180 degrees opposite. The prophet comes along. He says, this, says the Lord, this is a false prophecy. He says, I'm gonna, I've broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I'll bring back all the vessels and the king. And I'm utterly going to destroy Babylon. False prophet. 180 degree message in complete opposition to what Jeremiah was saying. How do you know who the right prophet is and who the wrong prophet is? My answer is you've got to know the Holy Scriptures. My answer, yeah, I mean, this is America or Canada or New Zealand. There's more Bibles. you got more Bibles than pet parakeets out there. Get a Bible and read it. I, don't, I say, I'm not a, I don't care if you're a Christian or not. Get a Bible and read it. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. Here's what Jeremiah says to the false prophet Hananiah. He says, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. You have made this people trust a lie. 
Therefore, thus says Lord, before behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you will have uttered rebellion against the Lord. And I, I'm just going to take a little risk here. I'm just going to step out and tell you. Y'all are telling your, your churches, don't worry about it. You're going to get raptured out of here, here pre-tribulation rapture. And I'm like, why are you telling them this stuff? Why? When in the history of, of God Almighty and His creation and, and, and the Holy Scriptures has God rescued a people away from trial and tribulation? He doesn't do that. He saves them through it, but they got to go through it. Did not Jesus Christ suffer on that cross, or did He get raptured before He had to suffer? Was not Stephen stoned to death, or did He get raptured before He got stoned? How many times was Paul whipped with whips by the Jews? By the Jews, everybody. Say it with me. By the Jews. Oh, bad people. No, the Jews. Go read Hebrews chapter 11. Ask, ask yourself, which one of them did God save from the hour of, of trial? Hebrews chapter 11. The ones sawn in two? Did God save the ones that were sawn in two from the hour of trial? Y'all are preaching, oh, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. God's going to rescue you out of this but before, the, before all this happens. First of all, if he, if he loves you, why would he do that? Don't you, have you, haven't you ever read the, 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 the letters to the churches in Revelation? And he warns them, he says, listen, some of you, you think you're okay, but you're not. I advise you to buy gold from me, refined in fire. How, how do you get gold refined in fire? You go through a tribulation. By the way, the great tribulation is what we all live through. Every one of us lives through a great tribulation. Our whole lives are great. If your life's not a great tribulation... <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the book of Acts and ask me who that, that's a man of God has not lived through great tribulation in their own life. When, when the world ends, do, do people get raptured out of it? Uh, it didn't happen with Noah. They had to prepare for the flood and they had to live through the flood. They had experienced the flood. Did they float on top? Yeah, they did. But I bet you they were freaked out for about a year living on that boat with all those animals. By the grace of God, they were saved. But they didn't go hang out in heaven eating you know, jellied grapes for a year, floating around on, on, on clouds, angels giving them fresh glasses of wine. No, they prepared for a century for that event, obeyed God, and endured a great deal of ridicule, rode out the storm on a boat, and then had to rebuild a world afterwards. That's the biblical model. That's the biblical model. The biblical model is God's chosen people, not those that call themselves Jews but are of the synagogue of Satan. That's not them. They're liars. They're of the synagogue of Satan. God's chosen people, those baptized in Jesus Christ, those who worship Jesus Christ, make no mistake, it was Jesus Christ that talked to Noah and said, Noah, build yourself an ark. The biblical model is, yes, destruction's coming, war's coming, the, the flood's coming. Prepare now. Prepare now. You're going to go through this. You're going to go through this. You're going to go through this. You're not escaping this. And then prepare to build a world afterwards. When all the destruction comes and you're still standing, you're going to rebuild the world. That's the message today in 2023. When all the destruction comes 
and all the nuclear bombs fall, and all the hideous evil evil happens, which we got evil right now, which is why we need the judgment of God. Church, you need to prepare now so that when it's done, you can rebuild Christian societies. That's the biblical model according to uh, Genesis and according to the Great Flood. That's the biblical model. It's not you're going to go up to heaven during the Great Flood and sit around and, and, and drink wine and, and sweetbreads, have angels serve you, give you little foot massages while destruction happens on earth. That was that's not the that's not biblical. That's not the biblical model. Oh, God's going to save you for an hour of trial. That's what Hannah and I was preaching. It's exactly what Hannah and I was preaching. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You're going to have to prepare for this war. You're going to have to live through this war, and we're going to build Christian nations afterwards. Not this nonsense that we've been doing, where we just we essentially give up to Satan. We give up to the synagogue of Satan and say, you do whatever you want, you run the world. Uh, we'll throw a couple seeds out in a field that you own every once in a while, and, and we'll wash our hands of any responsibility for it whatsoever and, and hope to fly away in the great rapture. The biblical model of going through trials is the great flood with Noah. He prepared, he saw it coming, he prepared, he lived through the trial and rebuilt the world afterwards. That's the biblical model. Oh, that's Old Testament. It's the only testament that Jesus Christ, it's the only scriptures, that's why I call it the Hebrew scriptures, it's the only scriptures that Jesus Christ ever preached was the stuff from Moses and the prophets. What, you're too good for that? You're too good? Jesus was ignorant? You're too good for, for that? You know better than Jesus Christ? Seems so in the church, doesn't it? Letter to the exiles: Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat the produce. Take your take wives for your sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give them your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where you have sent you in exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, that you, you, where, where you where you will find your welfare. Look, that the, the, multiply and reproduce. Be fruitful and multiply and reproduce. Keep building Christian dynasties and Christian kith and kin. With your race, white people. Don't stop having kids because things are hard these days. Because you're going to get raptured. Thus says the Lord, and I'll just put in there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, I'm sending on them sword and famine and pestilence. All right? Wow. How about that? Sword and famine and pestilence. What does that remind you? Pestilence? COVID? COVID jab? Sword, huh? War in Europe, famine. Anybody heard, heard any, any talk about famine recently by maybe like the president of the United States or all these world leaders? Oh, we got a food shortage. Meanwhile, all these these food production facilities mysteriously burn to the ground. Oh, it's just a coincidence. They lie to you, man. They lie and lie and lie and lie. It's all on purpose. Now, whether it's by the hand of God or the hand of man. It's the Almighty God that summons war and sword and famine and pestilence. Jesus Christ said, I will pursue them with sword and famine and pestilence. I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I've driven them. Now, for those of you that want to make Jesus Christ 
the, the, the cotton candy God. Let me give you another quote from Jesus Christ. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Concerning Ahab, the son of Kaliah, and Zedekiah, son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie, in your, it, it lie to you in my name, I'll deliver them to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah in Babylon. Quote, The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. <laughs> so the king of Babylon roasts these dudes in the fire barbecues them alive. That's going to be a curse on these false prophets. And Jesus Christ goes on. Because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel, they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows. I am the witness, declares the Lord. Who's the witness? Go read the Revelation. Jesus Christ is the great witness. This is Jesus Christ saying this. Jesus Christ has summoned war. So here's to this false prophet. Thus says the Lord concerning this false prophet. Because he prophesied when I did not send him, and he's made you trust in a lie. Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I will punish Shemaiah of Nehalim, and his descendants, they shall not have anyone living among the people. They shall not see the good that I will do to my people, declares the Lord, for he has spoken rebellion against the Lord. All right, you've heard of me talk about generational covenants, generation, generational blessings. There's also a generational curse. He said, cursed be you and your descendants. And we see that all throughout the Bible. Cain and his descendants were cursed. May Cain and his descendants be slaves to the, the sons of Shem and, and Japheth. Oh, God would never do that. God did that. And this is why I say we've invented a new God, the cotton candy God, that's completely unoffensive to uh, uh, the world. When Jesus Christ himself came out and he said, listen, it, it blessed are you if you're not offended by me. Now, when Jesus Christ summons war and famine and pestilence and the sword, people are going to get offended. Are we in that era? You judge for yourself. Judge for yourself whether or not we're in the era of war, global war. What I'd like the church to do, what I'd like the pastors to do, is say, look, we're not getting out of this. It's coming. It's here. It's here. We're not getting out of this. We've got to stop thinking that we're going to fly, fly away. And we need to be like Noah. And we've got to see the disaster coming, and we've got to prepare for it and live through that so we can rebuild a world after the sword and the famine and the pestilence come through here and utterly ruin and destroy the nations. We don't want the seed of the serpent filling the uh, power vacuum when this is all over. They got the power. They got the power now. They already have the power. Maybe this is an opportunity. God said, "Here you go. Here you go. This, there's going to be a lot of destruction. Who's going to rise up and build Christian nations for me in the midst of this destruction? I am. My hands raised. I will. I will. Jesus Christ. I will. Lord. I'll build Christian nations." Oh, that my race would rise to the occasion. Oh, that my race would, would, would say, yes, we are the sons and daughters of Christendom. We're going to return to the God of our ancestors. We're going to make new banners with the cross of Jesus Christ on it. Proud and Christian nations. Proud and European Christian nations. Unapologetic 
No apologies whatsoever for being European and white and Christian. No apologies whatsoever. Not to anybody. Not for any cause. Not for any reason. No, oh, somebody might be offended. I know, I know, I know. I got that. Jesus Christ said it himself. Hey, blessed are those that aren't offended by me. Oh, that's xenophobic and that's racist. I, I don't care. I know. I know it is. Jesus Christ said the same thing to his disciples. Jesus, you're offending the Pharisees because you're racist and homophobic and anti-Semitic. Jesus says, I know. <laughs> I says, I know, he says. They're blind guides and they lead the blind. They're all going to fall into a pit together. Task number one, you've got to throw off these shackles that you've imposed on yourself. That the synagogue of Satan has, has, has put on you. Shackles of guilt and shame and self-hatred. White people, I'm talking to you white people. You've got to give that up. Oh, you sound like a white supremacist. I don't care. I don't care. Loading white people down with guilt and shame because that's what the synagogue of Satan wants. It's not on my agenda. I'm against it. What they want, I'm against. What Jesus Christ wants, I'm for. What he said, I'm for. Revelation 2.9. Revelation 3.9. Matthew 23.33. Matthew 23.15. 1 Thessalonians 2.15. If you guys don't, you guys all ought to have these things memorized. All right. Here's the theme. It's war. You got to prepare. We've got to build Christian nations. Just like Noah did when, when the flood was over. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. Out.